Welcome to Live Without Borders, a travel and wellness show for expats, the expat curious, and globally-minded citizens of the world. We are the travelers, the culturally curious, the experiences and not things kind of people. And we know that freedom is about more than getting on a plane. It's about becoming the most heroic versions of ourselves, which is why on this podcast, you will hear insider travel secrets, inspiring expat stories, and advice on how to live abroad. But you will also hear episodes that will help give you the clarity, focus, and skills you need to create a life that will set your soul on fire. I am your host, Sarah Mikatel, a certified clarity coach trained in the Enneagram, and I first moved abroad on my own at age 18, and I have been permanently enjoying life in Europe since 2010. If you are ready to make some big moves in your life and want my help moving from someday to seize the day, visit livewithoutborderspodcast.com. Today, I am back with my friend, Stephen Worley, to continue our conversation on Life Skills That Matter, which is the same name as the podcast that Stephen hosts. In this episode, we get more into the specifics into how to live a good life, a simple life, one that will give you more energy and inner peace. Stephen shares what his days look like, and hopefully this will inspire you to consider what your ideal day would look like and how to start living it. Let's jump back into our conversation where Stephen and I time travel to our younger years, where we are just starting out in our careers. Enjoy. I actually started out as a business major in undergrad. I lasted a semester before switching to journalism, but I had like <gasps> this idea in my head when I was in high school that I was going to open like a vegetarian frozen food empire with my grandmother. But I didn't like it as a freshman taking accounting and finance and like all of this other stuff. Anyway, I heard your gasp. Were you a journalism major too? I wasn't, but I fell into journalism. I was a history major and I ended up going into television news. Right. I, um, I did internships at local television stations in Rhode Island, and I ended up working at CBS News for the first couple of years after graduating. And then immediately was like, this is not my future. I mean, I could <laughs> quickly see like, this is a corporation. I'm like, look how this is. It's it's falling. I even, for whatever reason, even at 23 could see like how it was all falling down around me. That's why it's still funny to me that people are so aghast about different industries or different things. I'm like, how they're changing or falling apart or going out of business. I'm like, yeah, this has been happening pretty much my entire life. Yeah. I did an internship at a TV news station and was like, yeah, no, this is not for me. But then ironically, I ended up starting a business for teaching local radio and television broadcasters how to use digital for their news operations, marketing. And I ended up focusing the business just around uh, generating revenue or uh, money around digital advertising. And then I just realized, like, I think that's the other thing back to this when I'm trying to help people. Yeah, I was making a lot of money, but it was not my, my heart wasn't it. I didn't care about saving broadcasting. You know, I, this is not what I, I didn't want to do, sell more advertising to get people to buy more stuff that they didn't need. That's just not what I wanted. And what I'm trying to inspire people to do, like we even have a, a lifestyle calculator. You can go to lifeskillsthatmatter.com slash calculator, download this calculator for free. And it, it calculates like how much do you need to make to live your ideal lifestyle? Because so much of us, we're, we're fascinated with all these status symbols. Like I want to make six figures. I want to be $250,000. I want to be a millionaire. Who cares? What is it you really want to do? You know? And I, and I think that's this idea of like, what's enough? Doing something that I'm really good at. And it's really sparked my curiosities. I'm working at a fair amount of time every week, 30 to 40 hours or less or more if you want. And solve a problem we're solving. 
You know, yeah. the world does not need another fart app. <laughs> I think like, yeah, we th- we're so used to and like we're like schooled to think about money and nobody is thinking about time, which is the real precious resource. Act- energy, act- never energy. Need. And I've even learned, Sarah, it's attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Attention is your because that's the other thing. Sorry, you're just sorry, by the way. So sorry, I just interrupted you. I always like to be sensitive, but I just want to tell you, you're getting me that excited. That's why. Go, go. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to come on my show, right? And then you get to blather on. Okay. That would be great. That would be I great. think that's only fair. <laughs> okay. So I think you're right. We always think with, uh, we look at money, it's a personal resource, but it's outside. We have an outsized uh, focus on it and we, we overlook our resources of time of energy, of attention, of connections, of skills, of knowledge. When you start looking at all of those and you then you put money in there, you start to have a, a more accurate, a more honest context of what money is. I actually think money is one of our least per, uh, our least valuable personal resources because it's really a storage device for our energy. That's what it is. It allows us to do things at a later date. And you only get money when you properly align all of your other personal resources, when you think about it. And in the domino, the thing that starts it all is attention. If you cannot focus your attention and and, at a moment in time with your limited energy to then learn something or to build a connection, you're never going to make any money. It's so interesting that you're saying this because I didn't realize until this year, pretty much, how important energy was. I just never... I never thought about it as being important, just never came into my mind until I, you know, I started to realize I I was quite tired a lot of the time, not focusing as much as I could. And so a few months ago, I started a meditation habit, which was something I resisted for so long because I thought it sounded so boring. (laughs) And yeah, I've started meditation. I like got strict with like when I went to bed, I'm not drinking coffee very often. Like I do these vegan detoxes periodically. I feel amazing. My mind is so much sharper and I'm just getting so much more done. So I can a hundred percent agree with you that (laughs) you need to get that you need to get that resource like locked up before you can really do anything else at a higher level. And I think a lot of times when we start doing these habits, sometimes something takes a lot less time. It's a lot less effortless, but it has a huge impact. And that's the other thing that we, this, this, the way we've been taught about working hard, this idea of people are so proud about how much they work and how long they work. And I'm sorry. I think you lack priorities. I think you are completely unaware of how to properly use your personal resources. For too long, we've looked at it as this way of like, I'm controlling and I'm beating nature and myself. I'm forcing myself to like stay up and work 12 hours every single day. But you're human and most people end up burning out. Eventually, your body will rebel against you. I mean, people end up in the hospital. People die from overwork. And we just, it's just sad. I think the way society is, there's such a high level of economic scarcity right now in society that it doesn't need to be. There is plenty of wealth if only we would all choose to look at it differently. Yeah. So we were just talking about energy. I have a question for you about that. Okay. How and then I have a follow up. How many hours a day do you feel like you have for your most important work? How many hours a day do you think you have of your maximum physical energy combined with your sharpest mental clarity? 
Is this like, is there a real answer? There actually is answer? from everything I've yet to like there. Let me, let's put this way. I, I, I live in a world where every it's your own experience and like, that's your answer. But what, when you do say it, it usually always falls in line to of the range, which is fascinating. I mean, I've read, I was a history major, so I've read all kinds of biographies throughout the ages. So when you really dig into like all these folks, habits, politicians, philosophers, artists, writers, that you find that they worked on average of a certain amount of time every day of, of this knowledge type of work. Um, I've interviewed over 500 people on my podcast. This number shows up again. I've seen it in my own life experience. So how many hours a day do you think you have of your sharpest mental clarity, your maximum physical energy? Oh my gosh, I'm feeling the pressure. No, just go with your um, gut. Go with your feeling. There's no right or wrong answer for you. That's what, and this is an important lesson for everybody. It's what you are feeling and what you are experiencing. That's what's really important. Let's say five hours. That's about three to five hours. Let's see, uh, it's f- about three to four for me. Um, some people say two. Uh, when people start saying six, seven, and eight, I think that's just the indoctrination of the system that we've, we've fallen under, that we live in. It's, it's, and also because we're not taught to how to really use our feelings as a guide to, um, manage ourselves. It's always very, we're looking to technology. We look to other people to tell us if we're good enough, if we're successful or not, right? We're not listening. And there's so many times, like I know, Sarah, like I, I'm a morning worker. And that also that period of, do you find that that period of time is at a certain time of day for you on average? I love mornings. I have prioritized when I wake up, I'll do a little meditation and then I go walking for like two hours. So for me, I usually don't start until like 10 a.m. But I would say like I probably am at my sharpest between like 9 and 12. So yeah, I'm in, in the morning stuff, like if I'm going to write a blog post, is not happening at 8 o'clock at night for me. No way. It'll be take forever. I'll be frustrated and it will not be of the same quality. If I just wake up the next day, make that my first work activity, I'll crank that thing out in like no time flat and it'll be Pretty good. I'm not going to, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot better. And yeah. that's the kind of stuff that we're looking for. We, it, it's always this idea. I'm just going to crank it out. I'm going to force it out. And you're, we're, 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 my point is we've lived in a system where we're taught to constantly suppress ourselves into this one uniform ideal. And we think we're the problem. We keep beating ourselves up. You aren't what you've been denied is to say, what is my rhythm? What 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 are what are the pros and cons of how I need to work to get my best work done in a reasonable amount of time? And I think more and more of us, because of the pandemic, are starting to realize what that might be for ourselves. So I think it's important. So I happen to know my sweet spot is in the morning. So I, I don't want to do like a lot of email or social media kind of stuff or do my laundry <laughs> in the morning. I'm saving that for content creation, like my most impactful work. And then I like to schedule podcasts or phone calls or meetings in the afternoon, in the evening when I, it's a different type of energy for me. Um, and I can still be doing something, but. I know I don't have the same quality of energy to really do some really great content creation. So you're doing your deep work in the morning Mm -hmm. and then the more social reactionary, right? Reactionary slash. And also take your, take time. Like I'm in this weird um, pattern right now of needing to take afternoon naps. And I think sometimes it's like a season change and I'm really, 
affected by, I'm affected by all natural things now for, for a very long time because I've been so out of the corporate system for so long and commuting that I wake up with the sun. I go to bed with the sun. Um, I really have a, a sensitivity with different foods, um, people's energies, um, changes in seasons. And I think that's something to it. And sometimes you just kind of, kind of go with it. Your body like needs it for some reason, or I try to understand. Oh, you're back to nature. I love it. To, but in a, in, but in this really way, I never anticipated with, without me having to be like out in the middle of the woods all by myself. Yeah. Well, tell me more about like how you're flowing with life. You mentioned, you know, you structure your days, I guess, kind of along your energy. Tell me more about like your routines and like what your day looks like. What does the first hour of your day look like? Well, they use this word as routines because especially when I, you know, I've been traveling around a lot in different places for the last two years, internationally, um, domestically. uh, And one thing that needs to keep me sane in order for at least me to do independent living successfully is I need routines. Um, no matter where I live, I need to know that I have a certain core kinds of foods that, you know, like a protein, a starch, vegetables, you know, and like even with my first 24 hours of arriving in a place, I'm quickly just like setting everything up as, you know, as if I've lived there for a year and, and, basic routines of like, how am I going to be exercising with here? What are my social opportunities? What am I going to be working? Is there anything affecting how I'm going to be working? And just trying to get, keep those routines quickly. And it's hard because you live in different parts of the world and there's those different energies and different things that you need to figure out. And there's different languages, different money, right? So I, I try to kind of uh, move through that acceleration a little bit more intentionally, when, not forcing it, but more intentionally, knowing that these are things I'm just going to have to flow and things just pop up and that's okay. So I feel a, a, a basic mix of routine for me is um, when I wake up in the morning, I have really gotten into, have you ever heard of the Wim Hof breathing method? You know, I've heard people mention him, but I, I'm not mega familiar with because I've just gotten into researching a lot about how to like get back in touch with your actual body and all mm-hmm. these different systems that we've evolved with that we can use. But industrialization over the last definitely 200 years, some people and say 300 years has really gotten us away from it. For example, breathing. You should only be breathing through your nose. I do do that. And actually, because like a coach that I have. I've been, it's so interesting that you're saying this, Stephen, because breathing is another thing that I never used to pay attention to. And now like periodically through the day, I'll do like a deep breath through my nose, mm. hold it for like like six, like breathing in for six, holding for a second and then breathing out for like seven or eight seconds. I do that a few times and it like totally changes my energy and my mood. And yeah, so I'm totally with you. So tell me more about well, my body off. just. Did it? It just felt so good as you were talking that. Oh, it does. I just feel so serene right now. I know it sounds so corny. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, I would have totally made fun of myself for saying that right now, but <laughs> I'm telling you, people. So breathing. It's the fascinating thing is that it's like one of our core energy sources. We always think of food as our energy, right? It's really oxygen, right? And we also need carbon dioxide, and we need some other things from the air. And it's available to you all the time for free. Although we're starting to pay a cost with it because of our horrible pollution of our air. But uh, so the Wim Hof breathing method, it's kind of like a meditation. Um, you can Google him, uh, W I M H O F, two words, that's his name. 
Dutch guy. He's known as the Iceman. But it's something I started this fall. And it's just these deep breaths. Like I lay down deep breaths all the way in. He's like, go all the way up to your head and you just let it go. Don't force it out. Just kind of let it go and do it again. So you do it like 30 times and then you just hold in as long as you can. And then you let out and then you take a deep breath in and you count to like 15 seconds. And then you do this whole cycle again. You do it for three times. So by the third round, I have been able to hold my breath up to four minutes completely comfortably. Oh my God. It's crazy. It feels like, so from his point of view, where I gather him, it's kind of like, it's kind of like aligning your energy chakras, right? From kind of the ancient Chinese and Indian medicine. So it's like your electricity and just kind of really just doing this type of breathing is really charging your body up and just like really getting it going for the day and clearing out all your pathways. So all of your nutrients and everything that needs to like go where it needs to go can do it. That's the way I take it. I don't know if there's any science behind this, but it feels great. And then I do 12 sun salutations. I have a nice breakfast, a green tea, some oatmeal, and then I do work. And then in the, I have a lunch. Um, I might work out in the afternoon. I've been getting into that again, do phone calls. And then there's some day in in phone calls and then, you know, have a dinner at night. I love walking. So there could be a hike in there. Um, reading. I've recently committed since uh, mid February. I don't watch video right now and I'm not doing news, which is really reclaimed a lot of energy and attention back in my life. And I, I also want to tell people like my routines will evolve and change. It's not like I'm not a robot. I mean, I always do tell people I have my robot mornings the first hour of the day. I do like to have pretty regimented no matter where I live to make me feel very connected and rooted and consistent. And it does make my days better. Even if I know I'm going to have a crazy day, I always tell people it doesn't matter when you wake up or how much you have going on in your life is to just to be as intentional as you can with that first hour of your day. It's it's just going to set the tone for the rest of your day. Yes. Yeah, so don't let in the social media or the email. Get in your head. Like, no. Oof. Keep it clear. Yeah. Well, I have to say really quick, Stephen, that like, so I mentioned that I've gotten into meditation this year and it's so interesting, like what it can tell you. And so the last, like recently I realized some of like my thoughts before I'm going to bed are something that I saw posted on social media, like something ridiculous and not even important. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, wait mean. a minute. I, know I was like, wait, I don't want this. I don't want these to be my thoughts. <laughs> like this is really Well, it's disturbing. back to the attention, right? You don't have to pay attention yeah. to that thought. That's the crazy thing, right? Yeah. You don't have to pay attention to it. But I was like, oh, I don't want to spend this much time on social media. Like I, uh, definitely, I definitely want to only have like certain times that I'm on it and then that's it. And then I'm not looking at it. Like I'm not going to be dreaming about Instagram. Yeah. I mean, even like there was a month, I think it was like late February to March. Um, I didn't look at email. I put an auto reply up and my sister was monitoring it and it felt great. I just needed a break because I don't Mm -hmm. like, that's what I'm always trying to look at. Like, how can I reduce the amount of times my brain is being stimulated I mean, in a reaction kind of way. And I want to be more intentional about it. I have no problem with social media, but I'm like you, I'm very well-intentioned. It's like, I'm going to go visit somebody. I'm going to hang out there for like 10 minutes and then that's it for the day. 
Yeah, I'm not, I don't think it's like totally evil because I've met some like cool Absolutely. friends on there. Yeah, but uh, I totally agree about the intentionality because I realized that like when my brain was fatiguing, I was reaching for Instagram and then all of a sudden 45 minutes goes by and I'm like, <gasps> mm, no, I can do another, I can rest my brain in other ways, like through meditation. You're bringing up a really fun example I like to let people know about because- when you are craving a distraction in the way that Sarah was just describing, that is your brain's way of saying, I need a break. It's not even telling you that you need a break. Your brain is saying, I need a break, right? And so the next time you have that type of craving, what you want to beforehand, but before you even do that, have a list of what are some productive distractions to give yourself your brain a break a little bit more restoratively. Like, can I go for a walk? Can I call a friend? Can I go meditate? Can I take a nap? Um, do something away from screens, do something that is not too stimulating just to like allow your brain to kind of like catch up. That's really our brain just cannot consume the amount of information that we're trying to shove into it. Basically we, it's like we're gory. The, the way that we gorge on information, if we gorged on food that way, we would be vomiting probably three times a day. I'm sorry if that yeah, was a little yeah. too gross and graphic, but you're not going to forget it. Are you people? You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. And so I'm trying to be more intentional of taking more breaks throughout the day, but like proper breaks. Cause previously and until recently, if I'm honest, when I was trying to take a break, my break would be to check email or to do something or else. Or look at the news. Digitally. Or... Yeah. And that's not no, a break. No, no. And, and so, so use it as a red flag is like, see it differently now. It's like, oh, I'm about to go in this. I'm like, oh, right. I'm craving something because my brain wants a break. So like, that's the cue to like close your laptop, get up, catch yourself. And also a lot of this is like breaking an addiction. We, I mean, we're all addicted to something now in the way society has been structured. And some of it's hard. I have to say even like giving up video is hard. You know what I mean? Cause it's, because this is the other thing where we're also looking to ways to satiate ourselves, to self soothe. And it's so easy to like go for ice cream or have the glass of wine or watch something on Netflix or YouTube or look at social media, but it's not what we need at all. We, that is not, it's not living your life intentionally. And if you can start retraining your brain and training yourself to know these cues and pick up on them, you can be much happier, much saner. I'm very into stoicism. And who are you? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, this is so crazy, Stephen. But yeah, the whole living life according to virtue, meaning like your like, highest self and doing things that are good for you and for others in the long run, not the immediate indulgent mm -hmm. satisfaction. You mentioned ice cream will taste good for like 30 seconds, but then not later on. And I just feel so much healthier now that I'm getting rid of a lot of the electronic inputs and just getting back to nature like you, going to bed on time and just things people were doing 200 years ago that must have made them feel like more whole people. Well, I, I was think. like, could, could, you know, I was thinking about the people who started the United States and all the writings they did. I mean, would they have been able to do everything that they did if they had all these stimulations that we did, you know? <laughs> and, and the funny thing is when I first gave up watching television for a summer for four months, I think I was 27 years old. 
the thing I was most blew me away was I was waking up an hour earlier every day. And I was like, how is this happening? What's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm going to bed an hour earlier because I have nothing to do and I'm tired. So I just go to bed. <laughs> like, that's what your body needs. Just go to freaking bed. Yes. Go to bed. So you're in the Berkshires. Where did you spend most of this year? So because of the pandemic, I mean, I came back to the United States like March 15th. Like I thought that was, that was like the beginning of everything I felt like in the United On States. On 2020. Yeah. 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 March 15, 2020. So I've been in the United States. No. Hold on one second before we. Is, this a, is there that. a cat? Just, <laughs> there is a dog that just got sight of some. Almonds. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So I, so I have friends visiting, and they came yesterday, and they're here till Friday, and, and I'm staying with them. And so I kind of like gently got them to go out to lunch <laughs> as a family of four. <laughs> it's their vacation. I'm crashing, and I'm still got it at work to do. You know? Hey, but, they should ha- they should have lunch out. Enjoy yourself. It's very nice to me. So they they said, "Can we leave the dog behind?" And I'm like, "Yes," and he, he just misses them already. Yeah. So oh, so I so yeah. I mean, I stayed with a lot of family and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, ended up staying in the northeastern part of the United States, Florida. So my parents and sister are, are down there. I spent uh, three months in the panhandle of Florida. I thought it was going to be a cheap, easy domestic place to say. Wasn't my scene. <laughs> and actually, now I have to like fess up. I actually just put an offer on some land in the Berkshires to like have a home base again. Wow. Um, that just happened. So that's a little surprise. Never said that before in a podcast. So, but I'm, I'm always going to be a person who's going to always leave. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm never a 365 day in a row person. I have a, maybe a little bit of a broader definition of what it means to be location independent. So I mean, really quick, I mean, so I was looking for a place to say it. I randomly found, cause I do I have this Airbnb policy. I just put in, a, I'm paying no more than a thousand bucks a month. What do you got United States? And this place came up in North Adams, Massachusetts, okay. where it's home of Mass Mocha. And uh, so I stayed there for three months, and I'm like, I really like this place, because I was thinking about that. So I, I, I like this mix of nature, but I also like having access to civilization. Yeah. And so I have this place now. It's like on a mountaintop. Take a 10-minute drive into North Adams. Best of both worlds. And then it's super easy, two and a half hours into Boston, three and a half hours into New York City, yeah. hour to, or like about an hour to Albany Airport, ski mountains. It's got everything. And interesting people. Mm-hmm. You know, like people are entrepreneurs, artists, people are doing stuff. So it was checking all my boxes. So I'm like, I'm not questioning it. I'm just going with it. Very cool. Yeah. I haven't spent a ton of time there, but I remember it being really pretty. But I think most towns in Massachusetts that I've been to have had some charm, New England charm. That's what, I'm glad that you use this word. One of my filters and one of my needs in life is like, there has to be a little charm to the place. You have to come visit me in the UK. Or if you find yourself in the UK, come and I'll like show you around. Because I lived in London for quite a few years, but now I'm in this beach town called Folkestone. Folkestone. Amazing Ooh, are, are weather. Folksy Folkestone. Lot, it's like a really big art scene. And we were very under the radar until the pandemic. And now all of the Londoners are like coming here because they were like, are we spending money in London if we can't do anything? Well, I think that's what's happening everywhere here. It's just like, it's just crazy. And I hopefully like, well, even broadband access, like they're, the town I'm buying in, it's like they're just getting broadband. <laughs> 
so I think that's going to start changing things. I hope that could help rural communities out throughout the world and uh, showing that we can work from anywhere. That'll be interesting. This For us, we've been experimenting. We've been like in the colonies in terms of location <laughs> independence. Yeah. But now it's starting to be like, oh, the real big next wave of people might be coming. I'm also curious about your Bali experience. Then also you mentioned that you had, well, I had read that you generated like $600,000 from like 50 clients working 20 hours a week. And I feel like we should have gotten into that a little bit. Do you want to talk about either of these? Do you have time to? Yeah, sure. I mean, here's the other thing I like to be the contest. I know like I put those numbers up there because it's, it's unfortunate. Like people respond to that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. But I will let, let me. So that, so that was when I had the sales training business that um, I did. It was working with local broadcasters, and I discovered that instead of going around to all the radio and television stations, every state had a state broadcast association. So what if I just sold my trainings in volume to them, for the, for, and then they can distribute them? So I didn't have to run around to all these radio and television stations. So I ended up having thirty-two of the fifty state broadcast associations that client as clients at one point. Wow. And then because I had such good distribution, then I would be called by individual stations. Can you come to a training? Can you speak? So it's like I was trying to get off the road, but it ended up <laughs> creating more business. And I just had this attitude of like, all right, I'll take every dollar I can from the broadcast this dying industry because I knew in the long term I want to reinvest into something else more meaningful. And that's what I'm doing now. Right. I I really learned to live on no more than about $50,000 a year. There were a couple of years that maybe I spent around $70,000, $75,000 a year, but I was making well above that. And I just kept shoving it to bank accounts and investments. And now I'm able to to grow, take the time to grow my business longer term in the way that I want without that pressure of having to take a lot of shortcuts just to like survive. So last year in 2020, traveling the world and living my life and being really happy, I spent about $23,000. And even in this journey, like it just, you don't need to be spending all this money. Even as I'm buying this property and I want to build like a tiny house community in the Berkshires, I want to challenge the notion of how much it has to cost to, to, for your housing. You know, I was just able to buy nine and a half acres of land for $50,000, <laughs> you know, in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. two and a half hours from Boston, three and a half hours from New York City, you know, it is possible, and I think we just accept too much that we don't need to. I think everybody just loves immediate gratification, but if you can have the courage to start slowing some things down more, you're going to give yourself more options that are going to be more in alignment with what you want, and they're going to cost you a lot less. And that's what I really am trying to inspire people to, to believe in. And the business model of that is I'm a big believer, and I was already saying this, like the simplest way to start a business is start with what you know. Monetize your skills. Who do you know solve a problem that for people that you already know or an industry that you're now that is ideal. I know that's not always perfect for everybody, but that would be ideal. And that's what I did for myself. And I call it the niche tribe model. And the more that you can drill down into a specific niche and really understand them and their needs, you become their person. And they are going to refer you around. So that way you can spend a lot less time going after and chasing clients and they can just be coming to you. So that's kind of the vision behind that kind of a model. What would be your top tip for like new entrepreneurs to find clients? For finding clients, the thing that nobody ever does and often overlooks because it just seems so simple, make a list of everybody you already know. 
I can't tell you how many times people do not do that, Sarah. They just don't do it. Scan all of your LinkedIn connections, scan your phone, scan your email. You will forget that you know people. My other little nuance with that is only put people down that you feel really energized by. Like, oh yeah, I just like, I think they might know people or they might be into this or I know they might have some advice for me. Just kind of reach out to the people that energize you. And even as you're, uh, you'll get to a point in your business where you have to reach out to strangers, only reach out to organizations that people that inspire you, that you really light you up. Don't just crank it out. Like corporations have to reach out to lots and lots of people to support their types of business models. When you are a solopreneur, you do not need that many clients. You need the right clients, the ones that light you up and the ones that that you energize. That's what you're looking for because then you're not going to feel overwhelmed. You're not going to feel burned out and people will refer business to you. You won't have to be chasing after them over the long term. And ironically, you'll actually be able to charge more for that too. You'll make more money in less time. Amazing. Just get paid to be yourself, people. Just be yourself. I know (laughs) everybody wants to be somebody else because that's what we're sold. But that's like kind of the truth in life. I've learned the more you can just embrace yourself, you are the most, you are our scarce resource. This is our only shot to ever experience this version of human in our, in human history. This is it. That's how rare you are. And even if a lot of other people are doing what you're doing, you're doing it in a different way. And there's somebody who's going to vibe with that. And that's what we all need to have the courage to do, to do is to just be ourselves. That is the future of work. Where can we find out more about you, Stephen? You can head on over to lifeskillsatmatter.com. And if you are interested in starting to work for yourself, you can learn the very, very, very first five steps, which are not something you're going to see up on most business websites. You can find that at lifeskillsatmatter.com slash get started. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for your questions and for just, I know you found all of my passion buttons. I don't know how you did it, but you did. (laughs) Well, I'm waiting for you here in England so I can show you around and I'm going to come visit you in the Berkshires. Well, you always have a spot in one of the tiny houses. (laughs) Done. Sounds good. All right. Bye, Stephen. Bye-bye. That's all for now. Go ahead and follow the show or hit subscribe so you can hear more episodes like this. And if you would like my help taking bold action on your own dreams, like living abroad, changing careers, and other life transitions, visit livewithoutborderspodcast.com. Thanks for listening and have a beautiful week wherever you are. Hey, let's continue the conversation. Head on over to my blog on Substack for more content on how to thrive through better communication, stoicism, and global exploration. That is right. Blogging is cool again over on the Substack platform. There you can chat with me in the comments, and I have plenty of bonuses for paid subscribers, or you can just read for free. So click the link in the episode notes to access the Substack Live Without Borders.